Welcome to the Indie Comics section. Join us as we take you through the pages of some of the best stories and art available in comics. We'll talk to creators, hear about their inspiration and creative process, and then we'll read their comic and discuss it together. We hope you'll join us on this journey into some incredible comics and find some new favorites along the way. Hostess with the mostest. Hostess. Oh, with thank the you. Now, I kind of sound like a hostess. Like, where's the cream, cream puff? Yeah, what are those things called? <laughs> uh, That's me, guys. Oh, no. Because I'm so sweet. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I forgot what they're called, too, for some reason. Yeah, it's in my head. Hobo? Yeah. That doesn't sound right. No. That's inappropriate. Anyways, Hobo? hi. Welcome to, uh, welcome to Indie Comics, where we talk exclusively about comics and not about snacks. That's not a promise we could talk about. <laughs> that's just on the, that's just on the side, really. Is what are we is. secretly hungry? Are you hungry? Not really. I had enough we'll to eat. Actually, we'll in. find out after these messages, <laughs> right? And our sponsor. No. Uh, hi, welcome to Indie Comics. Uh, we are here to talk about a super awesome comic today. But first, I want to introduce uh, all of your favorite pals. I'm Maddie, and I am Jeff. How we doing? And this is Tyler. <laughs> And uh, our special <laughs> guest today is, if you'd like to introduce yourself. My name is Madeline Holly Rosing. I am the writer creator of the steampunk supernatural comic, Boston Metaphysical Society. Yay! Yeah! Awesome. And uh, double Madeline's today. Yeah, my two full Maddie's Madeline. with us. She spells, it, she spells it way cooler than mine, though, with the E in there. You're fancy. <laughs> the E really makes the difference? It does. It, it elevates it. Huh. Next level. <laughs> Do you ever go by Maddie? Uh, no, I don't. Yeah, she's too cool, see? Yeah. <laughs> you know what? You know what's really weird, though? I don't go by Maddie either. That is, well, you I know, hope you don't. That is also a fact. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I mean, why don't I just start going by Maddie, too? <laughs> well, no, you're, you're, welcome. We can all. This what was your name again? Maddie Rob? podcast now. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was Rob. I was Rob at San Diego. Yeah, he shout out to Rob. Yeah, shout out to Russell Nolte for calling Jeff Rob. You know, yeah. it, it could work. <laughs> and he didn't. And he didn't finally until about 10 minutes later in the conversation, finally hugged me and said, dude, I just totally called you Rob. I am so sorry. Hey, at least he realized. <laughs> you should always be sorry for calling somebody Rob. <laughs> Uh, so apparently I'm robbed now every time I don't go down to San Diego. <laughs> so for Madeline, not Maddie, uh, <laughs> can you yeah. tell us a little bit about your journey? How did you get involved in comics? What started you on this uh, amazing ride? Um, well, that's kind of an a interesting story. Um, we love interesting stories. <laughs> that's what we're all about. I, I had originally written Boston Metaphysical Society as a TV pilot. Oh. Um, when I was at UCLA Film School, I have a, an MFA in screenwriting. And uh, while I was developing it there, it was originally just a period piece detective, you know, hmm. set in the late 1800s. Right. And uh, a friend of mine in class, I was uh, working in a uh, lounge area of what's called Melnitz Hall on UCLA. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden he just leapt over the couch, sat down next to me and uttered the word steampunk. <laughs> <laughs> okay i said i what and he said steampunk and i said he goes do you know what it is i said well i know about it i don't know a lot about it i've heard of it so he goes i think boston metaphysical should be steampunk and so i credit all of that to him his name is alex diaz by the way um <laughs> uh for steering me that direction it, it, it's launched me in a whole new life that i never knew i would ever have and uh 
So I did my research, I read steampunk stuff, and I, you know, he was right. He was absolutely right. The, this, what I was doing was perfect for, a, a, to develop a steampunk world. That's so, awesome. Yeah. The, the, the script, the original script itself did, you know, pretty well at competitions and, and people liked it, but this was like 10 years ago. So people, steampunk had not gone mainstream yet. And so, so you set the trend. Pretty, no, no, I didn't. <laughs> uh, pretty much, you know, people didn't know what to do with it. They liked yeah. it, but didn't know what to do with it. Well, so, I think it was like, it's it's like a culture thing, but there aren't a lot of really strong stories involving it and like in that world, which I think is, is a really great opportunity then for something like this. Yeah, no, absolutely. And so it was suggested that I turn it into a graphic novel to produce what is known as pre-existing marketing material. Uh, just because it's easier to sell a show sometimes when it's in pretty pictures rather than a script. And in the process of doing that, I discovered that I really like writing comics. So that's what I've been doing. That's amazing. So it was really just like you needed to create the art for it, and then it kind of became a comic and became yeah. something that you got really passionate about and um, went well, from there. I always, well, no, I always love the story and I love the characters, uh, because I mean, these are the same characters that were in the pilot. Yeah. Um, okay. Kate, Caitlin, Samuel, and Granville were in the original pilot. Um, as was Beth, Bell, Edison, Tesla, and Houdini. Um, they were all part of that. And uh, in adapting, uh, my instructor, because I actually went back to school to learn how to write a comic, otherwise known as sequential art. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I like that you know, got my eyes open, you know, quite a bit that you, you couldn't directly adapt a pilot into a six issue miniseries. Basically you'd have, you have to read it, then put it away and then completely restructure it. Uh, which is what I did. Wow. And so, no, I, I love Boston metaphysical. Um, and I was very, very pleased to find Emily Hugh, who, uh, is the artist on the original series. And she had just finished school. Um, I, I spent almost a year looking for an artist wow. until a mutual friend uh, introduced us. And, and she was on board. And she, she was on board. Wow. She was with me for four years getting this stuff done. And now she's off doing storyboards at Marvel. That's amazing. Yeah. What, um, whatever happened? Did you make the pilot? Did it never get filmed? Oh, or? Yeah. No, no, it never, uh, I haven't, uh, as of yet actively <laughs> pursued that. Okay. That doesn't mean I, I won't do that in the future. Yeah. But, uh, we, and when I say we, I'm talking about my husband cause <laughs> you know, this, this takes two, uh, Definitely. I mean, he has to, he has to deal with me and cons and whatever. So it's the two of us, <laughs> um, that, you know, we've put so much time and money and effort into this that. My, I'm willing to wait to find the right partner. Yeah, right, absolutely. Right. And, uh, you know, I'm I am in no rush. Yeah, that's well, a good I mean, way to go about it. Actually, I think it's better to instead of trying to just jump right into it, make sure that it's done right. Yeah, absolutely. Because yeah. too, too often we see product get watered down that way. That it goes, you know, it, you just yeah. push it through too fast. But if you do, if you want it done right, then you know when the time is right. And I tell you. That sounds yeah. like something right now that I would just love to see right on sci-fi on, on, on Monday nights, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> honestly, yeah. 
when the best things are worth waiting for. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, I do have a question, actually, about that. So, um, I mean, we've seen a lot of comic books and a lot of stuff that we all love be turned into, uh, you know, TV shows and movies and stuff like that. However, a lot of them take a lot of liberties. Uh, how do you feel now that this is an established comic that um, they would, you know, are you would you be okay with possibly changing some things? Or do you have some ideas? You're like, you know what? This works really, really well on comic book, but on screen it would be a little bit different. Would you um, want to, you know, take some liberties and change some stuff? As, or would you be okay with, with possibly, the, you know, them changing some things from the story? Um, hey, if it makes it better, I'm all for it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Well, and I mean, also, this is a, a limited series uh, for now, so there would have to yeah. be for the content. Sure. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, it's, they're two different mediums, so exactly. of course there would have to be changes made. I mean, oh, yeah. and I, I completely understand that. Having come from that side, I completely understand that certain changes need to be made. And, um, yeah, I mean, I think my thing is I just want to be part of that process. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, even even now when, when I write scripts, I mean, I have beta readers. And when I get notes back from them, it's like, hey, I'm all for the better idea. Okay. Yeah. That's awesome. See, Which that's, is wonderful with yeah, creative. Yeah, that's, that's great formats that's yeah. a better creative process actually instead of just the high up and down it's like oh my god you're totally changing my script i am not going to go through with this yeah but i like your opposite attitude about that that's yeah. just that that's really refreshing here it's, actually you want your story being told the the best way it can in any format which i think is awesome is yeah. there is there anything that like helped you get there like did you all were you always that way or i know sometimes it is difficult for people who are getting into it and like having an editor for the first time or having people read it and um having to kind of let go of you yeah. know they always say kill your darlings and, and all of that but <laughs> yeah. like you know did, was there something that helped you in the process of letting go of things in the in favor of something that's going to progress the story about more uh yeah actually going to film school uh, oh, okay. That'll give go. you some feedback. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, basically, you become accustomed to having your ass handed to you on a regular <laughs> basis. Huh. And sometimes it's hard to get the notes. And, and, but then, you know, you always have to take a step back and then look at them again and then really assess what people are trying to say because sometimes there's notes behind the notes um but it makes you better yeah and i'm all about getting better and and if i can get notes or thoughts that will make the script better i really don't care how much rewriting it requires as long as it's better yeah. yeah. Is there anything particularly of this story that you would not be willing to compromise on? Then we, 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 we've seen a lot of the stuff that you're willing to, to compromise on, but what would you not be willing to compromise on in this particular story? I'm kind of uh, intrigued by that now. I would not change Granville to a white guy. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yes. Right. Okay. That, I I pretty much put my foot down on that one. Okay. All right. Um, and I wouldn't turn Caitlin into a prostitute. Okay. <laughs> it's very specific. Okay. I mean, it's basically all the stereotypes, yeah. all yeah. the little niches that traditionally these characters end up being, right. it being yeah. the thugs or the, the hooker with the heart of gold or yeah. something <laughs> like that. Yeah. Um, you know, what makes me proud about the books, particularly the ones that with Caitlin is in, um, they all pass the Bechdel test. Yeah. And oh, okay, you know, good. 
Yeah. Yeah. We like that. <laughs> yes, we do. Um, in, in fact, I, I was so surprised uh, about a year or so ago, um, I got tagged on some um, Twitter feed about the, you know, 10 feminist uh, comics you should be reading right now. I was like, oh, well, that's, that's awesome. odd that I'm being tagged, but sure, I want to go check out what are the 10, you know, feminist comics I should be reading because I want to know that, right? Boston Metaphysical was listed. That is that's awesome. So, cool. so great. Okay, cool. What did and, it? Uh, and, it, and the main thing was because it passed the Bechdel test. Yeah. Which um, is so cool. Although also don't we wish that they all did and it, yeah. you didn't have to pick <laughs> like, here's 10 that are actually great. But like for you as a, as a creator, how important was that in your process of making sure that it was diverse and making sure that it had strong female characters and um, what kind of went into that for you? Uh, that was very important. Um, okay. When I wrote the original script, uh, and I was doing research for the the, the scientist character, mm -hmm. um, who I hadn't cast yet, so to speak. Mm -hmm. I really wanted uh, a person of color. Yeah. Right. And because I didn't want a lily white TV pilot. Yeah. Right. I mean, at the yeah. time it was written, uh, one of the reasons that Samuel Hunter is the white guy lead is because when it was originally written, that's the only thing that would sell. Yeah. Right. But times have changed. This is ten years ago. And obviously all that's changing now, which is great. But, you know, this is the cast I have now. Mm. But um, I now since the original uh, six issue miniseries is done, I'm free to go off into other storylines featuring um, the characters individually, like the the uh, Scourge of the Mechanical Men, which is the first standalone continuation of the series features. Uh, Granville Woods and uh, Nikola Tesla. Oh. Um, and the latest one I'm writing, which will be out next year, uh, is focuses on Caitlin. Okay. Mm. I mean, Samuel's Wonderful. in it as well, but it, it does focus on Caitlin. And, um, yeah, it's a little darker than Scourge. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. What, like, what drew you to this specific time period and to the story? Like, yeah. what really inspired you? In the beginning. Well, I'm a I'm a huge history buff, yeah, and <laughs> I also love science fiction. So you know, history, science fiction, kind of equals steampunk. <laughs> yeah. Um. Best so I love I love both, but mainly what I love about this time period is there was massive amounts of social and technological change happening at the turn of the century. Yeah. 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 And and also sociological change. So yeah. yeah, everything for a writer, it allows me to include a lot of organic conflict. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and that's what's really nice about it. I mean, we, we still have a lot of those issues going on, but in this alternate universe that I've created in Boston Metaphysical, um, the class lines are even more stratified. Yeah. Um, Gender roles uh, are sometimes blurred, but usually not. Right. Um, but uh, it, it, it is kind of a microcosm of, of what we have to deal with. 
Well, and that's the, I mean, the best stories really do that. They're able to take, you know, oh, it's a fantasy world or it's another time period or or both and and use that as a mirror to be able to talk about things that maybe are more uncomfortable to talk about in the modern context and tell those stories and and have them reflect where we really are and where we could be. Yeah. 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 Now, um, going over all that stuff, obviously, I, I love how you were very uncompromising about that particular thing. Now, when it comes to the comic in general, what do you love most about it? What do you love most about it? Uh, do you mean character or story? Anything, or? anything. If you just had to name it right off the top of your head, what is probably the one thing that you love about this comic more than anything else? Um, I have really enjoyed introducing, um, Granville to the world. Uh, if mm. you don't know, you guys may know this, but your, your, um, listeners may not. Granville was, was a historical figure who was a contemporary of Tesla's. Mm-hmm. And he's an African-American scientist who essentially got lost in history. And I'm able at like every single con to be able to educate people on American history. That is so okay. awesome. Uh, I have a question actually about that. Um, so um, when you kind of first started working on this, what, what did you exactly do first to do your research? I mean, did you use everything? I mean... Like you said, you kind of just got lost in time. Did you go back and look at like books, or was the internet was the information on the internet already? Well, I'll, I'll have to go back to my time at UCLA. Actually, my my first oh, that's right. yeah, yeah, my first year there. I before all of Boston Metaphysical, I wrote a script called Stargazer. Um, I don't know if you guys are aware of uh, uh, something called the Sloan Foundation. Um, it is a foundation that gives money to writers and producers and directors at mm-hmm. film schools that produce uh, and write scripts that uh, depict science, scientists and engineers as real people, not caricatures. Oh, cool. Yeah. Just for clarification, and, that's the Alfred P. Sloan Foundation, right? right? Yeah, right. yeah, I have heard of that. Yes. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so I wrote a script to submit to that, which, by the way, I won. Nice. Oh, that is so cool. And uh, Stargazer, and this is going to portions of this are going to sound very familiar to you. <laughs> is about a young Scottish American woman who arrived in this country in the late 1800s, abandoned and pre- abandoned by her husband and pregnant. Mm-hmm. Uh, she found a job as a maid in the house of the director of the Harvard Observatory. And while there, he noticed her attention to detail, hired her to become one of his female computers. That's what they were called back then. And she eventually came up with her own uh, stellar classification system and discovered over 10,000 stars. Wow. (laughs) Uh, So, I mean, my husband can verify. I I had my office stacked about two feet high with about seven piles of books <laughs> that amazing. came from literally all over the world wow. to uh, research uh, this woman and everything that she did to write this script. So I started learning about uh, late 1800s Boston um, back then. <laughs> yeah, which is so incredible. I mean, really being able to to find people in history in particularly minorities 
people of color, women, you know, those stories are not told enough. Like I was, I mean, Jeff and I both are history majors Mm -hmm. and history buffs. And, you know, those stories, I think more and more we're telling them, but it's such an important process. And to be able to do it through a medium like comics, that's so accessible um, that people can pick up. And as you say, you know, you can tell people about it at cons and like you're making such a difference. And that's so wonderful. and, And I love seeing that. Like for me, comics are all about what we can do with them. It's not just having a good time and enjoying it. That's important. But like, you know, what does it mean? And I think that this means so much and it's, it's so wonderful. Yeah. I mean, I, I believe in education through entertainment. Yeah. There you go. (laughs) Because, because that's how people remember people. uh, If you just, you know, start spewing out dates and whatever, nobody remembers dates and whatever, but if you tell a story and in the context of that story, there is a lesson. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Remember the story. Mm-hmm. And therefore, they remember the lesson. Well, that's, that's what everybody thinks history is like. Well, and on this date, this happened. And it's like, it's not about that at all. Like, it's important yeah. to know, you know, contextually when things happen and who was involved. But the bottom line is it's stories. It's real stories. And to be able to take that content things that really happened and, and, you know, give it a new spin, polish it up a little bit, share it with people who aren't familiar with it is incredible. And it's, um, it's so cool that you're doing that. Yeah. In other words, it's much more than just about the who and the what, but also about the why. Yeah. And that's why something, and that's why something like this particular book right here is, I would say one of the, one of the perfect uh, tools actually for an educational experience, actually. Yeah. When it comes to that. Yeah. I actually, I, I actually um, uh, did that myself um, because you guys know I wrote Kickstarter for the Independent Creator, right? Oh, yeah. Yes. 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 And one of the fun things I did in that book was I told stories. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I told stories of uh, other people, of obviously my Kickstarters, you know, the ones that I've run. I told Mm -hmm. other people's stories. And so... Uh, readers could connect in a real way and see themselves like, oh, this creator did X, Y, Z, so I can do X, Y, Z, or, oh, I understand what they're talking about because, you know, this is another creator like me. Yeah. And uh, yeah. so the, the, the stories stick yeah. and the lesson sticks. That's so awesome. Now, one thing that I'm liking what you did is you obviously did a whole lot of research. You mentioned in the two two uh story high thing of books i know not two stories i said i know you said two feet but the way the way you even put it it just sounded like two stories but you definitely did a lot of research and you came to know a lot of things about this you definitely did your homework when it came to this along the way while you were doing this and obviously before you were writing this comic you obviously had to have some kind of artistic or literary influences would you care to um say who they are actually I mean, ones that inspired you to go down the path of what you did eventually coming into this comic and and all of your writing whatsoever. Who are your literary and or artistic influences? Um, I guess my favorites uh, would be Lois McMaster Bujold. Okay. uh, Who's one more Hugo's in Heinlein, but Mm -hmm. no one seems to know that. (laughs) Uh, She's a phenomenal writer. Um, Everyone should be reading her. Uh, Particularly the Miles Fork... I always pronounce this incorrectly. Fork Segan, Fork Segan series. Um, that's as good as I could do. That's about, yeah, that's about what I would probably do as well. Um, yeah, yeah she, she's really just extraordinary. I mean, I don't know if I'll ever be as good as she is, but um, I can certainly try. Hmm. Um, yeah, considering I've come, 
actually, I'm coming out with the first Boston Metaphysical novel in October. Oh, oh my gosh! There you yes, go. that's awesome. That's and, awesome. And that is a prequel to the graphic novel. Oh, how awesome. cool! Prequels so are amazing. So you will actually get to meet Elizabeth Hunter. Oh, that is awesome. Yeah. Where is it going to be sold? Uh, me. <laughs> <laughs> and what's your what's your website where can everyone where can everyone get these uh it, well it's bostonmetaphysicalsociety.com obviously it'll be on amazon oh um, sure yeah it'll be on amazon um it'll be at cons with me and it'll be available available on all ebook platforms uh but yeah i'm gonna do a whole launch uh the first week of october and the, the big launch is uh at gaslight expo uh, the first weekend in October, and that's in San Diego. That's okay. A, okay. That's a steampunk convention. That's awesome. Wow. Oh, that's perfect. But uh, yeah, venue. I just got the line edits back from the editor, so yeah, more work there. Yeah. <laughs> Always. <laughs> Always right? work. What made you want to write a, a like a novel format then? Um. Well, I've actually always loved novels, and it part of it is one, I love novels, mm-hmm. and two is budget. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's mm-hmm. very expensive. Don't need an artist. To produce a comic. <laughs> and what my husband and I figured out that we can realistically do is between Kickstarter and uh, what I do at cons is that we can probably produce one one-shot a year. Hmm. Yeah. And, and so that's that's the plan. So, awesome. you know, this year was the Granville and Tesla story. Next year is a Caitlin story. Then we'll probably bring the, the gang back together again. Um, uh, and then like an Avengers movie. OK, <laughs> the team book. Uh, that's yeah, awesome. Uh, but what I'm really looking forward to is uh, I don't know if you guys read the trade paperback yet, but there's a short story in the back called Hunter Killer. Hmm. where I introduce three new characters um, who are the crew of a small prototype airship called the Philadelphia. Oh. And they are the segue into what will eventually be uh, a series of books called Boston Metaphysical Society, The House Wars. Ooh. And The House Wars is my equivalent of okay. the Civil War. Oh, oh wow. Cool. And, now you're speaking that, my language. There's not going to be a you kill my mom thing, is there? Like <laughs> or a Martha? No. Okay, good. <laughs> no. Just oh, exactly. <laughs> That's awesome. And so that'll be a, a novel series? That will be a novel series which I hope, cross my fingers, hmm. I will be able to start outlining um after um Gaslight Expo cuz I'm not really doing any more cons other than like you know day events or something for the rest of the year yeah (laughs) right that's awesome and how cool that you get to go through all of these different mediums that you know these stories are so much bigger than just comics or just novels or just you know a screenplay like there's so many opportunities um and hopefully you know maybe someday we'll we'll get a tv show and we'll get you know a movie who knows um but that's really cool to play with you better be listening (laughs) sci-fi well it's it's a lot of fun because um what i decided to do is on the timeline for this world everything uh that starts before the the original graphic novel the original six issues will be in prose format oh no Um, okay that would be anything in the future will be sequential art Hmm. oh 
That's cool. Sweet. So many, so many types of media. I love it. Alrighty. It will. We've talked a lot, a lot of good and happy things. <laughs> now it's our episode Lee. Oh uh, yes. So every single interview, we always ask this question. <laughs> uh, it was brought to you by uh, Joshua Williamson. Um, and we now ask everybody this question. What is, so you have, you've had a lot of good reviews. I, I have the first issue and I love it. Uh, but, uh, what is the worst review you have ever gotten? <clears throat> um, <laughs> we're very uh, positive here, but we need, <laughs> we, we, we've, we've actually never gotten an outright bad review. Oh, good. We've gotten mediocre ones. Yeah. I think that's and like a first, though, for any comic. That's pretty that impressive. Yeah. Can no, no, make no. you we, like we, a crown? We, we, we had one person. Oh, now I forgot who it was. But they, they said they never got a bad one, but they had a mediocre one. But they said that they would prefer a bad review over <laughs> a Oh, yes, I remember one. now. Yes. Have because, stronger yes. feelings. Yeah, because they were like, mediocre reviews just mean like, eh. Or the other one just like, you know what? They're angry and they're at least they're talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome, though. Well, you mentioned that they were mediocre. Um, what was the general theme of usually the mediocre reviewers? Or was there one that stood out to you more than any other as far as these mediocre um, reviews go i think well i think i think t- uh two things and they're very fair comments mm-hmm. uh, they're all fair actually sure um, See, that's you're an so awesome kind attitude. yeah that yeah. is so great usually it's like it. this is what made me yeah. really mad or this is the person that could yeah, go right to hell exactly. <laughs> <laughs> See, um, like uh, yeah this is awesome i love this uh just because other people can see things. I mean, I've been looking at this so much that yeah. you can become snow blind. Yeah. And also, you have to understand, Boston Metaphysical is my very first comic that I ever wrote. Yeah. Mm-hmm, sure. So, God, I hope I get better. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to me, I'm only going to go up from there. Well, yeah, so, exactly. Yeah, of course. Exactly. So, everything I learn from this is, is helpful. So, yeah. uh, I think... Uh, one was was an art criticism and about how some of the pages were a little rough, and uh, and in all fairness to Emmy, I mean she was just starting out, and yeah. if you go through the whole series, she gets better and better and better. Yep. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. She, well, by that's the, the end, nature like, of the job. I mean, I mean, you can look at the cover. I mean, that was the end of Emmy's, and yeah, I mean she. What I love about Emmy is her ability to have her characters evoke emotion yeah, and not many artists are able to do that. I mean, it's nuanced emotion. It's yeah, pretty it's so important. Really right. incredible. Um, uh, she's not as strong on some of the, the background stuff unless she really focuses, mm. but we all have our strengths and weaknesses yeah. and, and we all get better. And and I think the other comment in, in regards to the writing, because I'm not going to just like throw Emmy under the bus here, because <laughs> uh, I think she's amazing, um, is I think someone said that they thought Caitlin uh, bought into everything too quickly. Um, okay. Hmm. And okay, 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 fine. That's yeah. Fair. Well, and that's the thing is you're never gonna. Then that's honestly the reason we ask this question is 
people are always going to have different opinions and yeah. you are so kind and you take feedback so well and yeah. like not everybody does and sometimes people you know you, you get trolls read, you online you should read my mom's emails about our shows they're they're pretty they're pretty ruthless <laughs> rough um but no i mean i i think it's it's a wonderful perspective to have but it is it's also acknowledging that you know what you're never going to make 100% of people happy 100% yeah. of the time yeah, yeah. and you're, you're just it's impo- it's impossible exactly and um was the, there was another point i was going to make <laughs> which just like went flitting by so quickly but I mean, I think also talking about how, you know, you're always improving. And I think that's yeah, important to remember, exactly. too, because I know we have a lot of people who are interested in becoming creators who listen to this. And and it's about, you know, finding those opportunities to be better. Yeah. And like they're yeah. not ragging on you. They're helping. This is an opportunity for you to improve. Yep. Or sometimes, yeah, just let it wash off your back because you're not going to make everybody happy. And that's cool, too. Yeah. I mean, you're you're not. And sometimes you, you do. You just have to walk away. It's just OK. That's fair. That's fine. Well, I like and- it. <laughs> <laughs> And you you can't waste your time and energy on that. Absolutely. Uh, I know a lot of people who take these criticisms so personally. And and unless they're directed at you personally, you shouldn't. Yeah. And and by the way, for any writers out there who, if you get any kind of criticism and it has a personal nature to it, you need to walk away from that person. Yeah. Okay. That's great advice because it should never be personal. It should always be about the story. You know, no one should be calling you stupid or an idiot or anything like that because that's not useful. Yeah, no. And they're not being helpful at all. They're just it's not helpful at all. Yeah. Yeah. There was one gentleman who who bought the the ebook of Prelude, which is the anthology of short stories and novellas that are prequels to the graphic novel. And uh, he wrote a, a very favorable review, but he. Uh, on Goodreads, but then he he had some very specific criticisms, and one had to do with the formatting of the ebook, and then I guess there was some other stuff which I don't remember now. But they were all actionable, and so I wrote, I said, okay, this is great, thank you. As soon as I have the time and money, I will go fix this. Yeah. And eventually I did, and I ran into him at San Diego Comic Con, and I oh. said, thank you for those notes because I was finally able you know, to go and do that. Right. And he goes, that's wonderful. I really look forward to the novel, blah, blah, blah. And so I still have another potential sale there. Yeah, absolutely. There well, and it just shows your commitment to always being better, which is, I think, something that whether you're a writer or an artist or just a regular non-talented human, <laughs> we can all become better in different ways. And that's, that's amazing. That's great. In fact, that was some great uh, insight that you would give to writers listening to this right here, which kind of leads me into my next question right here, because this is also good advice that potential uh, writers can be listening in on. So in your case, Holly, you do a lot of writing here. What do you do? What do you do about writer's block? Uh, Because everybody suffers from it. So (laughs) in in your case, what do you do about it? Um, I actually just keep writing, even if it's just nonsense. Okay. Even yeah. if I know, even if I don't even if I know I'm not going to use it, I just keep going. Okay. And usually I end up cutting that all out, but often there's a, a core of an idea in there that is what I want to keep. Oh. Okay. And then I go back and rewrite. And then you have to understand that writing is rewriting. Oh and yeah. Then yep. Rewriting yep. again Absolutely. and again and again. Over and over. Well, oh, just yeah. that process of getting something down. Yeah. Yeah. But the first thing is, you know, get the whole thing done so then you can go back and rewrite it. So I'm like two pages away from finishing 
the the Caitlin script. Ooh. Okay. Uh, which it looks like that will be called the Spirit of Rebellion. Oh, I love it. Ooh. That's awesome. And um, and when so, is... yeah, we'll get, we'll get some ghosts and political stuff going on. Amazing. And so that. on uh, on that note, you know, what can we expect from you? I know you said you have your novel coming out in October. What what else can we look forward to from you? Um, let's see, a couple things. Yeah, there's the novel in October, uh, which is called Boston Metaphysical Society: A Storm of Secrets. That's amazing. Um, awesome. Your your titles are just 100. <laughs> I love those titles. Yeah, I work hard on those. Yeah, I work those. It shows. Uh, obviously, the, the Caitlin story will be uh, on Kickstarter early next year. Uh, and if I didn't mention it before, Gwen Tavares is on board again. She oh, did cool. the Granville Tesla story. She, we get along very well. Love her work. Been very, very happy. Awesome. Um, I also pay on time, so I think that makes her happy. <laughs> that is always that a, does, a nice, the difference. nice partnership. I'm there. a good boss. That's good. That's good. That's awesome. I'm a good boss. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And then I, I'll have a, a Caitlin and Andrew short story, which I still have to write. Uh, okay. That will be in an anthology next year, oh, and cool. cross. Oof. Cross your fingers. I've already written it. I'm waiting for the contract for everyone else to get their stories in. Another steampunk anthology <laughs> with a, a, a larger publisher, which I'm pretty excited about. Um, and that will be the first story introducing uh, Gwen Warwick, who is the captain of the prototype airship Philadelphia. Oh, very cool. That's awesome. Yeah. All righty. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Madeline, and thank you all for listening. Uh, you can <laughs> thank you. You can check out our podcast on iTunes and all podcast apps, and check out our site, thegrandgeekgathering.com, for articles, videos, and so much more. You can stay updated on our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and we stream on Twitch. The intro is provided by Cranston, and you can buy the Boston Metaphysical Society all kinds of amazing goodness at. This is an easy one, guys. Boston Metaphysical... Oh, and I messed it. Look yeah, at that. Yeah. <laughs> that must Boston, be really easy. I got this. I got this, guys. Are you ready? BostonMetaphysicalSociety.com. Is it also on Comixology and Amazon? Yeah. Um, the, Comixology. Uh, print, the print versions of both books are on Amazon. The digital versions are on Drive Through Comics. Okay, Ooh, Drive Through Comics. Okay. Don't read your comics while you're driving, though. PSA. Right. <laughs> Just buy them there. I learned the hard way. It's <laughs> not true. It's oh. terrible. Um, yeah, not and you true. can check Madeline out at Cons, which is super cool too. Uh, get to know her. She's amazing. We're mm -hmm. so happy to have you on the show. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Uh, so come and join the gathering. Have a great week and G G G. Yeah. That was a special Boston steampunk GGG. We're all dressed society. in steampunk. So you steampunk. just can't see us. Shh. There you go. Tyler's a robot now. <laughs> He's been upgraded. Metaphy metaphysical robot. I'm done. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>